Cuspers is a grown-up podcast about being a kid. Sometimes that's silly, and sometimes that's heavy. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Hello, friends, and welcome to Cuspers, a podcast about growing up. I'm your host, Joseph Fricker, he, him, born 1995. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. And in fact, this one is a very special episode. In fact, in fact, it's the first in a special series. So I'm doing some traveling right now, including visiting my hometown. And if you're a regular listener of the show, you know how important hometowns are to people's childhoods, for better or for worse. And since I'm going to be traveling, and it'll be harder for me to do regular episodes, but also because I'll get to spend some time with people who are very important in my life, I thought, let's do a back home summer special. I'll be interviewing some folks who mean a lot to me. And this first is one of my best friends from childhood, and still one of my best friends to this day. Let's hop in. I'm here with Charlie Betzelberger. He, him, 1996. Charlie, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I am very well. So Charlie, we're doing a little bit of a special series, Cusper's Back Home Edition, uh, because we are right here in sunny, although currently rainy, uh, Kansas, Olathe, Kansas, to be more specific. Yes. Yeah. You live here with your fiance and two dogs. I do. One of them is currently laying on my lap. Yeah. We got a German shepherd here named Norman. Norman, you want to say hello? Norman, you want to say something? He's a little shy today, which That's is right. not normal. Hey, that is a-okay. And Charlie, part of this back home edition is that we're talking to people that are a big part of my childhood growing up. And so you and I have been friends for a very long time. A very long time. We met in kindergarten. Is that right? I think so. Yes. If memory serves correct, it was kindergarten or very, very early elementary school. Yes. And our older siblings, I think, were already friends at this point, or at least they knew each other. Yes. Oh, I'm. this is all coming back to me now. It's definitely kindergarten because I remember being fascinated in kindergarten that you could wipe your own butt. Oh, that's right. You came yes. back from the bathroom once and I was like, you were in there for a long time. And you're like, yeah, I just, you know, number two. And I was like, oh, my God, you can do that on your own. I was blown away. Do you remember a moment where you uh, wiped on your own? Did, did that come to you eventually? <laughs> um, I don't remember the specific moment, but I, I would imagine I've always been kind of a competitive person. So I imagine that you being able to wipe on your own made me go home and be like, mom teach me how to wipe my own butt it lit a fire under your ass <laughs> yes maybe more specifically quite let some toilet paper under yes. your ass yes yes yeah i mean it's brilliant well i'm glad i could have inspired <laughs> you to do that you taught me how to wipe let me ask you something much. and maybe you know maybe this is a little too blue for our uh, <laughs> for our listeners um but did you like learn to like to wipe while standing um because I, I don't l- let me say because i never did i always learned wipe sitting down but i know a lot of people who learned to wipe while standing i feel like if i remember correctly i like did like a half sit squat kind of deal you sort of like lifting like, yourself up i had to bit. like get up from the seat a little bit in order to make it happen for sure but 
I can't imagine wiping standing up. No, lots of people do it. It also, I guess it's not weird because like a lot of people do it, but sure. like it is, it, 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 it was different uh, from me, <laughs> different than what, what I was used to. Yes. I don't think I've ever wiped standing up. Well, so. now, now we got to try it. <laughs> All right. And, Quick we, pause. and we cut to the bathroom <laughs> Quick, and right. here we are. We're here now in the bathroom. And, uh, yes, but we did meet in kindergarten and yes. yeah, we were at, I remember very distinctly hanging out a couple times because we also lived in the same neighborhood. Yes. Like walking distance practically. Yeah. Which I think is probably pretty normal for kindergarten. I think the elementary school zones are much smaller than like high yeah. school zones. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I remember Shrek was a was a movie that you had. Yes. Watched that a lot. That is another memory. I was actually just telling this story the other night to some friends. Um, we we were joking like it's very easy for young men to or boys at that point to become friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I was incredibly fascinated because in one of the like bonus scenes of Shrek, they do like a a wedding after party deal in the what was the song. The Baja Men, is that right? Well, so I have like two different, I don't know where Baja Men comes into this. Like why the Baja, were the Baja Men in the Shrek movie? Maybe they're just know. coming around at the same time. I think but the song the, was just part of the like bonus credit scene. Sure. But the scene was the three little pigs spinning on their head. Yeah. And you just like with full confidence as Joseph Bricker does, like I can do this. And you like no joke just got down on your head and spun in circles. And I was blown away. And I was like, this dude is going to be one of my best friends until the day I die. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Is that I'd also never done it before. So I don't know where that I'm not surprised. sheer confidence came from. I think it's just in your blood. I don't think I've ever done it since. And I don't think I could. I got injured playing kickball a month Should ago. And it still it. hurts. All right, and we're pausing now. And I'm now, <laughs> I am now on my head. <laughs> oh gosh i think i would really really hurt myself if i yeah i don't i don't want you to try because i I don't want you injured in my home i would sue you i would sue you yeah um as being injured on your property i also you know what i just remembered that i had not remembered for a long time is the cookie dough incident the cookie dough incident which might which might have been the same day as the head spinning but you had cookie dough in your fridge and i asked if we could have some and you were like yeah and then we did, and your, I think it was your dad, either your dad or your mom, I think this was pre-divorce. When did your parents get divorced? Uh, around fourth grade. Okay, yes. So your, your dad and your mom were still uh, in the same house at this point. I think it was your dad, though, who like caught us eating cookie dough and was like, Charlie, <laughs> like sat us both down and was, and was like, you're not supposed to eat that cookie dough. <laughs> This okay. This is a, a theme, theme in our relationship. <laughs> because then also in was it seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade? Are you thinking about the world's a fun incident? Yes. <laughs> so so we had planned to go to up the new Pixar movie. Yes. At midnight. Yes. For some reason, we were going to see a Pixar movie at midnight, and because we were cool kids, because we were cool kids, and Pixar was awesome and is awesome, and we went to Worlds of Fun that day as a just you know it was like an all day event. Worlds of Fun midnight premiere of Up. It was going to be a fantastic day, and so we went, and my dad gave us money 
to do the rip cord because the rip cord was extra. Yeah, do you want to explain quickly for anybody not from Kansas City what the rip cord yeah, is? Yeah, so Worlds of Fun is our like big theme park in the Kansas City area. Yeah, it's owned by um, Cedar Fair. And so it's owned by Cedar Fair, oh. which is an amusement park company. They own Cedar Point in Ohio. Yes. Right? They own Valley Fair in Minnesota. They, they own Worlds of Fun. This is news to me. Um, but Worlds of Fun was awesome as a kid, and they had a lot of great attractions. But one of those was the Ripcord, and it was extra money on top of the price of admission. And it, it's basically a like bungee jumping. They like put you in this harness suit thing. You lay flat like Superman, and you pull the cord at the top, which releases you, and then you basically swing like a giant pendulum back and forth. Right. I had done the ripcord previously, like once with my dad, I believe, and it, it was awesome. And you had never done it. Correct. And so he had given us money specifically to do the ripcord. So we get, we get to Worlds of Fun, and we end up down, we do a couple rides, and we end up down the like line, the row of games, like game row. And we find this game that has, it's like the metal spiral, and you have the, the ring with the handles on each side, and you have to get the ring all the way down to the bottom of the spiral. And we had like enough money to do a couple of games plus the ripcord. Mm-hmm. But this is why Joseph should never be a gambler. Yeah, I, there's, <laughs> yep, I, I gambled all of our, it's not really a gamble because it's a skilled game, but. Yes, but it is also a carnival game, so it's, right. you know, probably rigged in some capacity. Yeah. And you kept getting all the way down to the bottom, but couldn't get around like the bottom loop. And each time you're like, let's do it again. Well, like, yeah, because it it, it's because it's like a spiral the whole way. And then at the very bottom, it's, it's a sharp turn. It's like a 90 degree. Yeah. Yes. And so I was like. I, I, I enabled it for sure. Like I at no point was like, we have to save this money for the ripcord. I think we I think we probably had a conversation of like, we're not doing the ripcord now. We're we're committing to winning this game. And I think there was like a giant like Rastafarian banana or something stupid that we wanted. Yeah. Yes, you were definitely enabling, but also I had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was I mean it was for sure both of us. And so we blew all of our money on this game and that we it, never ended up winning. Then we never ended up winning, and so we never got to do the ripcord either. We ended up doing all the other rides, and um, we went home, and we split up for a time. I remember, I think I was in like the church band or something, and I had a rehearsal that night. So we split up for a short period of time, like around dinner, to go do whatever, and then come back for up. Yeah. And in the interim time, my dad asked me how you, Joseph, enjoyed the ripcord. And I like panicked and I was like, he loved it. it. It was the thrill of a lifetime or something like that. And he was like, oh, so, so glad to hear it. So then you come over to my house so that my dad can take us to go see up. And we're sitting there on the couch and the couch order is like my dad on the far left, Joseph in the middle and me on the right. So you're between my dad and I. And he goes, hey, Joseph, how was the ripcord? And you just like immediately go, oh, we didn't end up doing the ripcord. And my dad just shot daggers like straight through you and into me. And I'll never forget like you looking at my dad and then turning like your face goes deadpan with just straight horror. And you look at me like, what did I just do? You immediately were immediately. I was like, oh, we didn't end up going on the ripcord. And then there's just like a beat of (laughs) the deadliest (laughs) silence I have ever heard. And then you you go, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm so sorry, Dad. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, what is happening? And so 
he sent he sent both of us to my room and he made you call your parents to come get you and you're like you're no longer going to see that movie tonight or he he said that you know well like, uh, yeah i mean he was grounding you yes, from seeing the movie yes. so the sort of implication was yeah. like i was probably also not going to go right because i'm not going to go by myself right and so I, I just remember going up going up to my room and you being like what just happened? And I was like, I told him that we did the ripcord. I felt so uncomfortable that we spent all of his money on a game. <laughs> and you were like, I, I would have lied for you. Why didn't you say something? And I was like, I didn't think he would bring it up. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was uh, another instance where I did something that I probably wasn't supposed to do and you got caught in the crossfire. <laughs> No, it's all right. I mean, I mean, because it's not me. It's not just me getting caught in the crossfire. It's also like me. We, we're both. We're both involved. Yeah. Know? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. But you and I have an interesting friendship in that we were pretty close in kindergarten, and then we just didn't have the same teacher through like the rest of elementary school. Yeah. So then we kind of drifted apart and became friends again in middle school once we like had crossover. Yes. So there's like a solid like five years where I don't really know what's going on with you. Yeah, that sounds sounds about right it's it's always weird in elementary school because like you get one singular teacher right there aren't a ton of extracurricular activities aside from just like soccer teams and random stuff yeah we were never on sports teams together yeah well i was not like a super sporty kid i think the last organized sport i did was in third grade well you were always more of a baseball guy and i did soccer Mm -hmm. like until third grade i quit soccer pretty early you weren't on the purple people eaters were you that sounds very familiar but uh it was like the kindergarten soccer team no i don't think i ever wore a purple uniform okay i would never wear a purple uniform hey man i i missed the day they passed out jerseys Mm -hmm. and i've always been a small human being in stature and um i showed up to like the first day of games and they're like here's the only jersey left and it was like a youth double xl and it like engulfed me like the i i was not i was just a jersey there was no person it was just a jersey floating around the field it was awesome that sounds potentially dangerous i probably was yeah no i i always had a hard time with organized sports because like i felt like i never knew what was going on and my parents were like what it just had a lot of kids and so, um, like, I kind of got the vibe that, like, maybe they didn't always know what was going on either. And so, I, I remember one time, like, getting a soccer jersey. I think we were all, like, meeting up at a McDonald's. It was, like, a meetup. And that's where, like, all the, car- the parents and the kids were, like, meeting and handing out jerseys and stuff. And I remember it was, like, a very stressful thing for me because maybe, I don't even know if my parents were there or, like, they were, like, chilling or whatever. But I was like in charge of getting a jersey and like I didn't, I had no idea how to even begin. I'll take one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah. We, we didn't have a lot of crossover because you, you were in general at that time a sportier kid than yes. I was. I was busy swinging and playing pretend and you were maybe more involved in the physical activities at recess, yes. which would have been like our only crossover. Yes. I remember playing a lot of like football and soccer and basketball i mean anything with a a ball like i was very much involved with as a kid as a young kid Mm -hmm. um and then it it quickly hit me that like i was not nearly as good as i thought i was Mm. and i was never going to be like super competitive sure and so that's when i i kind of 
I had always been a, a creative kid. I had always loved music. I took piano lessons very early. My sister had did a lot of theater growing up, so I started doing theater and singing a lot more. And I was like, hey, I can hold a tune and I can match pitch. That's about all you need when you're in middle school. And so very, very quickly transferred myself over from playing sports, anything involving a ball, and then just theater, music, D&D. Like, it all happened very quickly. Right. So... It's amazing how that nerd slope is real slippery. It's you take one, slope, man. You take one season off of sports, and next thing you know, you're a fucking theater kid. Hey, man, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous road, but I survived. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess like in general, in summation, how do you feel like about growing up in the suburbs of Kansas City? You know, there there are somewhat mixed feelings to being, especially in like the Blue Valley area for listeners that aren't, you know, aware of the school districts around Kansas. Blue Valley is one of the wealthiest school districts in the entire country, as far as I'm aware, especially in the Kansas City area. And so there's there's a lot of like privilege and there's a lot of shelter that you don't really realize until you move out of the area. Yeah, we always joked about like the Johnson County bubble. Oh yeah, it's real. Which like, I feel like we were all aware of, like even in like high school and middle school, I feel like we joked about the Joko bubble. Yeah. But you don't really know what that means until you're not in it. Yeah, you you joke about it and you're aware of it, but you don't realize how real and like toxic it is Mm -hmm. until you're completely away from it. Like I'm my first place I ever lived outside of Johnson County, Kansas was Boston, Massachusetts, which is a wildly different place. Sure. And so it was it was a bit of a culture shock. But at the same time, like I had a good upbringing. <laughs> we we kind of told stories of my dad, like getting mad at us. Yeah, but your you dad's know? a good guy. But he, my, he, my dad is a great guy who worked really hard to teach me like values of how to be a good human being and also like take care of yourself, both physically, mentally and um, financially. So there's. There was a lot of really good upbringing there to where I wasn't I wasn't quite as in the Joko bubble as I feel like a lot of our peers might have been. Sure. Um, well, we also the thing with like Johnson County and Blue Valley is that like there is a lot of money in it. But like there's also quite a range of people who live in that area. Yes. Like, yes, there, there are some very hyper wealthy people, but there's also like some solidly middle class people as well. And we're all kind of lumped together. Yes. Yeah, there's well and it's even more apparent now cuz it's it's the weirdest thing ever but I'm very happy with where I'm at in life but I'm back at the same high school I went to as a band teacher. Right. And it was like kind of uncomfortable at first but it's it's also been very eye-opening to see see that school through a different lens. Mhm. Cuz there are kids you go you walk through that parking lot and there is quite literally the song beamer Benz and bentley just like over and over again like i have legitimately seen a bentley in that parking lot wow which is wild for a high schooler to have in any capacity yeah and then there are kids who are like i have i'm in a family of like 10 kids and four of us share a bedroom right in an apartment and like I am in a line of kids that get dropped off within my family for like our one car that we have. Right. And it's just the, there's a huge 
difference, even in like Blue Valley North is one of the more stereotypical wealthy schools. Mm-hmm. There's a huge discrepancy of the the demographic at times, which is is wild to see through a different lens than you know we grew up in it to kind of see it from a different view is is, is wild. Yeah. And and also like being a teacher at a school like that, I feel like you see how the sausage is made a little bit more. Yes. Because you are now in somewhat of a position of authority. And I feel like authority has a huge hand in shaping culture, not exclusively, but you have a hand in shaping it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a little different being just involved with the band as opposed to like the day to day because you know like most teachers have multiple classes with like a ton of different students Mm -hmm. i have like you know two classes at the high school and then i involved the middle schools quite a bit but at the high school i just have like a group of kids that i know really well as opposed to like a bunch of different classes which is great because i i feel like i have more impact on individuals lives in that manner and like we were just talking to a kid yesterday who's kind of going through it with a lot of things going on his family and whatever else and at the end of the day we're just like we're there to support and there's no there's no like you're not a stereotypical blue valley kid like there's no view of that in any capacity and i feel like sometimes there is that from other areas of the building Hmm. which i don't i don't want to you know i'm not trying to talk crap on my place of employment but there is it's 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 very weird being at a school where like a student's parents own a major sporting team in Kansas City. Sure. And then a student's parents who like are working five jobs in order to support a family. Right. Charlie, we're about to I'm about to let you go. And by let you go, I mean just turn off the microphones and we'll keep hanging out. <laughs> yeah. But um what is, what does being back home mean to you? Just like that phrase, like going back home. What does that mean? Oh goodness. Um and we are back in the bathroom. We're both standing up. <laughs> <laughs> We're both standing up, wiping. Uh, and Joseph's now spitting on his head. Um, back home, I don't know. That's a great question because i i was very I was very much of the mindset when I moved to Boston that I would never end up back in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Part of me moving back to Kansas City was a little bit of a safety net. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of connections here. I made a lot of really good connections when I was in high school and then the like summers between college, I'd come back and play musicals and teach at band camp and things like that. So I had a lot of connections and a lot of potential opportunities when I came back to Kansas City, but I never really anticipated that, you know, I would meet my current fiance and we would be in a house that is ours that like we have purchased with two dogs. Like it's it's kind of surreal mm-hmm. um, in a manner that I never expected because I, I fully anticipated when I came back to Kansas City, it was like an abrupt change that I did not I did not account for. Um, I came back to Kansas City and I was like, OK, in a year or two, I'll be in Colorado, yeah, California yeah. or somewhere not Kansas. Then COVID happened and a bunch of kind of friends came back to Kansas City and it ended up kind of feeling like like home but new Mm -hmm. and that's that's the great thing about like we're in olathe now which is 15 minutes from my parents house which is not far at all in the grand scheme of things but it's far enough that like it it is our own it is our own home Mm -hmm. and it's cool to be able to kind of like make our own life out of 
a place that I am familiar with, but still discovering in in new ways. And that that also goes with like teaching at the same school that I went to. It's like it it feels very familiar, but also feels every day feels different and new than in, in a completely different manner than it was when we were in high school. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah. Thank for you for open up your me. home to me to stay here for a little bit. Anytime. Before I let you go, is there anything anything you want to let the people know? Not particularly. Go do the ripcord if you're in Go Kansas do the ripcord. It costs like 40 bucks each. I don't know, hey. man. The last time I went to Worlds of Fun, it was not the place anymore, mm. but it seems like they're really trying to revamp. So we should go to Worlds of Fun. What are you doing after this? Well, it's raining right now. So hey, that didn't nothing. stop us the last time we went to Worlds of Fun. Ooh, that's a story for another time. <laughs> All right, Charlie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Cuspers, Back Home Summer Special. If you've got fond memories of your hometown, I'd love to hear them. You can DM me on Instagram, at joseph.bricker, or you can email the show at thecusperspod at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Jean-Claude and the Eclairs for the use of their song, All It Ever Was, as the intro and outro of the show. All other music is by Calvin Adams. You can find all those folks' stuff anywhere you buy or stream music. Show art is by the Drive All Night Steady John Charles Bricker. I've been Joseph Bricker, and I'll be back next week with a new episode for you. In the meantime, remember to keep on kidding around. Be well.